This morning, um, I have a very left field topic, um, but I do. I am full of faith to share about it because um, I felt like the Lord really wanted me to share about it. And the way I know that is because I had everything prepped um, to preach this Sunday, and then on Thursday afternoon, the Lord said, "Actually, I want you to preach this," which is not a good time because my off day is Friday. So it definitely wasn't the flesh that produced this. Uh, message this morning. <laughs> the flesh would have been much um, preferred to go with what I had and had prepared quite well actually. Um, so I just felt like maybe you can put up that slide. Um, have you got it there? Lex, you're winning. Um, the first of scripture which um, is typical of many scriptures in the New Testament is all about being alert. I'll just read it there. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. And I felt like the Lord wanted us this morning to lay some foundations and equip us to be alert, to be a discerning people, to be a people who see with God's eyes, who don't just see the things for the way that they are, but to see things how they really are, which is only possible when you've got God's vision for your own life, for the church, for the world, to be a discerning people. Um, and I'll unpack that a little bit, what I mean by that. Is, is my water bottle here somewhere? Oh, great. Thank you. Um, but the picture that I got um, was actually for, thank you, my daughter, who's um, five, and um, thank the Lord, she's had a very sheltered life. And um, she's been in a good home. She's been very sheltered. And she is very naive about the way the world really is. And I'm very glad about that because she's five. Um, and many people haven't had the privilege of being naive when they're five. The world has already shattered them even before they get to five. And so she's been very protected. She's been very sheltered. And we have been investing in her. We've been teaching her. We've been training her in the ways of the Lord. And she's not had to worry about what Satan is up to. <laughs> um, but um, she can't stay like that forever. True? If she was 35 and she was as naive about the way the world is, that would be a big problem, actually. True? It's good when you're five. Not good when you're 35. And so, at some point, we're going to have to start um, exposing her to some of the things that are going on in the world in small bite sizes, and then talking about those things. True? Like, maybe we'll watch a movie with her, and then when some weird, worldly, dodgy stuff happens in the movie, pause the movie and say, okay, cool, let's talk about what just happened there and actually equip her. And what would we be doing in that moment? We'd actually be training her how to discern evil from good, right from wrong. But it's actually something she'll have to grow in. And as believers, as Christians, that's something we have to grow in. Let's maybe put up that verse in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, where it actually says that. Um, this was a rebuke to a church who was actually not growing in discernment. But I'm just using it for our purposes. You, you need milk, not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. A couple of things I want to pick out here. It's using the same analogy I was using, a child. Versus an adult. A child isn't discerning. Children just drink milk. Um, but when you're mature as a believer, you have learned and you've trained yourself in the Word of God, you've been discipled well, and you're able to discern evil from good and true from false. But it is something you have to grow in. Um, and it actually is something that requires a lot of judgment. I'm introducing that word early, because it's a word our culture doesn't like. We're a non-judging culture. But I want to say discernment, what's involved in discernment is actually judging according to God's standard and having his discernment of, if you call something good and something bad, what are you doing? You're judging. So there's a good kind of judging and there's a bad kind of judging. I'll talk about both. Bad kind of judging is hypocritical, it's pharisaical, it's condescending, it's I'm better than you. That's not a good kind of judging. But we are called to judge between what's right and wrong and what's true and false. And that's called discernment. And so 
Um, one day, um, when my daughter is a bit older, she will hopefully have been trained in discernment so that she can, to a certain extent, judge on her own. As a teenager, I'm hoping when she goes to school, she's exposed to things in the world, she's going to be able to immediately know that's normal, but it's wrong. True? Because she's been trained. And so she might still come to me from time to time, and maybe she'll be exposed to things that she's not seen or heard of before. And she, she might have questions and say, I saw this today, I heard this today. Can we talk about this? That was confusing for me. So there will be this ongoing process, even as a teenager, but she'll be much more able to discern for herself. And the same goes for mature believers. Um, the, the goal is that we grow in discernment. Having said that, we will always be sheep. So we, we did that called Savvy Sheep. You know, the, it's kind of a play on, you know, you, you're savvy, but you st- you're still a sheep. I'm, I'm actually called to be a pastor, a shepherd, but I'm also a sheep. Um, and so in Ephesians 4, you can put that one up, it actually talks about what's needed to be discerning as a people. Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You're going to see this word children again. Can you see he's constantly contrasting children and adults? Um, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. That's discernment. So we grow in maturity, but we we will always need the body, the whole body. I will always need the, need the whole body. There'll never be a point where I'm so mature as a Christian, I can discern everything on my own. Um, God's made us to be together, and He's given us gifts in the church, and each part plays its part, and together we stay in the truth. We avoid the traps of the evil one, whether they be moral traps or traps with regard to truth and false doctrine and all the kinds of traps that you can get. And, and Satan does have a variety of schemes against the church. Um, if I had to summarize them, I won't be able to teach the whole thing. One of them would be intimidation. Satan likes to t- intimidate the church through persecution. In our day and age, it's mostly through legal persecution. Um, th- there's seduction. Seduction is worldly desires which lead you away from your sincere devotion to Christ. Um, then he, he, would al- he can also use deception. Now, deception is something that looks good, looks right looks true but actually just a few degrees off and will actually lead you away from the truth um i've heard the analogy i didn't i didn't get a chance to google it before i preached this but i've heard that rat poison is 90 percent cereal <laughs> yeah what we eat in the mornings like for breakfast 90 percent cereal it's that 10 percent that'll kill you and it, um and that's also true with deception. A good deception is one which is closest to the truth. Uh, but it's that 10% that you need discernment in. So um, don't eat rat poison, but we're not talking about rat poison this morning. So this morning what I, I really want to do is, um, for many of us, we don't actually know um, what Jesus said the times we are living in would be like. And so you need to grow in discernment in the sense of getting God's perspective of what the world is like, what the church is like, and what we should expect in this day and age. Um, And I'm telling you now this, not prophetically, it's because I've spoken to many of you. Many of you are not aware of what Jesus said this this day and age would be like. And so we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said. Um, There's three levels of judgment that we need to exercise. I'm only going to really focus on one, but I'll touch on the other two. Um, So it's learning to to be a good judge of ourselves. In other words, um, testing ourselves whether we're in the truth. And I'm not going to speak a lot about that because Gala did an exceptional job last week talking about constantly re-evaluating. This is where I'd like to be, but am I actually there in my heart? Coming back to my first love again and again. um, and, and, And constantly examining, do I need to go back and do the things I did at first? And so there's this constant need for us to be con- recalibrating ourselves and, and trying to figure out, am I deceiving myself? You know, am I actually practicing what I preach? Am I an, a Christian in name only, or am I actually still listening for the voice of Jesus, still loving him the way that I should? 
still walking in obedience to his word. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, um, verse 21, um, this is a very sobering verse, by the way, which I think is important that we take this into account, most, mostly because it's Jesus. Right? <laughs> when Jesus says stuff, it, it carries a certain weight to it, right? Um, this was not secondhand. This was literally Jesus quoted. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons and, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is talking about people who are Christians and who started well and are even still continuing the ministry that God's called them to, but actually their hearts have gone astray. Actually, they don't love Christ the way that they used to. They're not necessarily walking in obedience to his word. And so that's one of the tests for us is, is constantly, Lord, is there anything in my heart that I don't know about that you want to tell me? The prayer of David, search me, O Lord, and know me. Because he's the one. You can examine yourself as much as you want. You probably won't see anything. But if, you, <laughs> if your heart is before the Lord, God, I want to be faithful to you. I want to keep walking this walk faithfully till the end. He's faithful to reveal what's in our hearts. The second kind of judgment is when we allow others to judge us. Um, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about accountability. Um, to be honest, I can judge myself, but I'm not very good at it because it's me. right? How good are we really at like assessing how well I'm doing? It's like most of the time I think I'm doing well, like 99% of the time. If you had to ask me, are you doing well? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. So I don't really trust my own judgment of how I'm doing. Sometimes it's just obvious because I'm just doing really badly. Then I can tell, no, I'm actually not doing that great. But most of the time, I actually need other people to ask me questions and check in on me. And that's what we would, we're really going for as a congregation. We're going for a, congreg a, a culture where we love in each other enough to care for each other and to speak truth into each other's lives because we know that likely if I need uh, rescuing, it's probably going to be you, not me, that does the rescuing. And this is a, a, a very famous passage when Paul himself checked in with um, some of the disciples. He said, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. So he'd been preaching the gospel for 14 years and then he checked in with them to make sure that I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So he was checking in with them to say, you know, I, I think I'm doing well, but I want to submit this to you. I want to submit my ministry to you. I want to submit my life to you. And I want you to tell me, do you also think I'm doing well? And that's actually voluntarily allowing somebody else to judge you. Uh, it's invited. And he's doing this for the exact same reason that I mentioned earlier. I think I'm doing fine, but most of the time I do think I'm doing fine. I, but if, it's, if other people around me know, who know me well agree with me, then I can be confident that, that I'm probably, I probably am doing, I'm probably doing well. Um, so the need for others to judge us. Um, but before we move on, I want to just get over a small stumbling block over this word judging. Um, so let's, let's go there because it is the, the greatest commandment of our culture. Only God can judge me. True? The greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Don't judge me. You do you, I'll do me. And it actually has a, a scriptural backing, which is always nice. Um, in Matthew, it's nice if you're not actually a Christian, but you can still use the Bible to back up your sinful lifestyle, isn't it? Great. So, Matthew 7. Do not judge. Cool. So let's move on. Let's end on a high note. Or you too 
will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to help your brother and take the speck out of his eye. So just go to the next one. Let's unpack what he's actually saying here versus what culture says he's saying here. He's not saying, don't judge your brother and tell him when he's doing something wrong. He's saying, he's saying don't be a hypocrite. You're going to go and help your brother and correct him in an area in his life, and you've got a plank in your own eye. And essentially, you're just trying to make yourself feel better than you, about yourself by pointing out the faults in his life. And so he's saying, when you correct somebody, you need to do it with incredible humility and grace, knowing that I am also a sinner in need of grace. And today I'm helping you. Likelihood is next week, you'll be returning the favor. True? That's a position of humility and grace. He's not saying, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's saying, be humble about it. You know? And the, the ones who got it most spectacularly wrong were the, were the Pharisees, who would, you know, they would be, quite happily take the speck out of your eye, but were very blind to the own, their own sin. And they, they had a very condescending attitude. So we do take the speck out of each other's eye, but we do it with humility and grace, knowing that you, I need you and you need me. Um, the reason why I want you to judge me is because if you judge me now and help me, I can repent. I can change. If I'm in sin now and you tell me now, that's not the end of the world because I can still repent and change. But I don't want to stand before Christ on that day, on judgment day, because when he judges me then, I can't repent and change. It's too late. I'd, I'd rather you judge me now and feel a bit wounded by it and then repent and change and live a life that's pleasing to God. Then on that day, it, 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 that's not redemptive. That, that, that's final judgment. And so um, that's why a culture of humility and grace and accountability is wonderful. The third kind of judging I want to talk about is judging between what's false and what's true. Judging between um, what, essentially judging what we hear. Judging what we fill ourselves up with. Um, and I'm kind of working my way up more and more controversial as we go. As you would have probably noticed. I'm sort of warming you up to, it, to where we're going. Because it is very countercultural to talk about judgment of any kind. But actually when it comes to teaching the word of God, we are called to judge. We are called to be discerning. We are, we are called to weigh up what we hear according to the word of God. And churches are commended for doing it. And especially in the light of what Jesus said we should expect in the end times. And just, this might sound obvious to some, but it, it doesn't seem obvious to most. We are in the end times. The, the very things that Jesus was prophesying about, that's now. It's very easy to read end time prophecies, what Jesus said, and think, you know, it's going to be—it's going to really be horrible for those guys. It's like, no, he's talking about you. <laughs> so here, the, the, most of this sermon was inspired by Matthew chapter twenty-four. I encourage you to read it at some point this week if you can. Here's a couple of highlights: Matthew chapter twenty-four. At that time, <clears throat> many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. He's talking about Christians. I, and as we go, I want you to just count how many times he says "many." Almost. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, how's this? The love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So there's this, if you read the whole of chapter 24, you find this paradox because it says the gospel will go to every nation. So the gospel is going to keep being proclaimed. So there is going to be a pure church that keeps doing what God's called them to right till the day Jesus returns. That's the good news. 
But at the same time, there's this falling away from the faith that we will expect. And I'm not talking about the future. As I mentioned, the future is now. Like a t-shirt. But there's this, what we call an apostasy, a mass apostasy from Christ. People falling away from Christ, but not in name. Still carrying the name Christian, but in their hearts, the love they had for Christ has grows cold. And it says why? It's because they've fallen in love with the world. The, the, the love of, of the world takes away their love for Christ. But it also says false prophets will appear and deceive many. Now the words false prophet there is hard for us to understand because false prophet in the Old Testament was what we now call a false teacher. False prophets, well prophets, whether they're false or true, were the teachers. And we pick this up with, with Peter. It says, there were false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So he's, it's one and the same thing that Jesus is talking about here. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. I included this last bit here because it gives the motive. Why? How they became false uh, prophets in the first place. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, I should have underlined the word greed, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. And it talks about their condemnation. Now, here's just one of the clues how I know that this is not talking about the future. Um, if you look, and it's not just the church in Africa, although we can especially point to the church in South Africa, greed uh, being the primary motivation for why many pastors preach and, and do the ministry for the sake of selfish gain. We've made, a, we've made like a, a profession out of it here in South Africa, but it is a worldwide phenomenon. And one of the primary motivating factors for false teaching is greed. Um, it's not an interest for other people's well-being. It's, it's trying to enrich myself through teaching, through preaching. That has always been the case in the church, that there's always been these kind of people around. But in our day and age, it just seems like it's prolific. You know, one of the qualif- primary qualifications of a, of a leader, an elder, is that they, they're not in love with money. Not a lover of money. It says they mustn't drink a lot of alcohol. True. But they must also not be a lover of money. That would disqualify, in my humble estimation, about 90%, maybe, maybe you call me cynical, of leaders in the church, in the world today. And the primary reason why they preach is, is, is motivated by greed. Um, I've heard a, number, a lot of horror stories just from people sitting in this congregation who have experienced this firsthand. That's why I say that these are not prophecies of the future. This is happening today. Um, and I, I could unpack this more, but the point that I'm taking away from this is that Jesus said that teaching in the end times, in our days, is something where we need incredible discernment. And we need to be alert. We need to be aware that this is what Jesus said would happen and is happening. The reason why I say this is, I say this because um, just like my daughter, Namile, you know, she just hugs everybody because there are no bad people in the world. Which is great. It's cute. It's naive. And I love that about her. But if she's 35, that would be a problem. But it's the same for Christians. Many of you are young believers and you have this idea that if somebody's preaching and they're using lots of Bible verses, it's great. It's amazing. It's like, it could be. could be amazing. Hear what you hear in the light of what Jesus said, what we should expect in our day and age. You need to be discerning. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more in terms of how. Thanks, bro. You're going to just leave it there. Cool. So, so let's just go to the, uh, the Timothy verse. In the Timothy verse, it unpacks it unpacks a little bit about the nature of the false teaching which we can expect to have. 
So we know there's going to be false teaching, but what kind of false teaching are we talking about? I think this gives us a little bit of insight into the kind of false teaching we should expect and the kind of false teaching which we see in the world already today. It says, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Interesting, this is not the teachers, the people themselves, the hearers. They they don't want sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So we've already spoken about the greed being the motivating factor, a desire to enrich themselves being the motivation behind the false teachers. But the people themselves are not helping because they are dictating what gets taught to them by what is in their hearts. And what's in their hearts isn't a love and a desire for Jesus. It's a desire for myself, how to enrich myself. My desires are not godly desires. And I want you to preach things which will be pleasing for me to hear. There are certain things I don't want you to teach because it's not what I desire. It's not, and my, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying, where I'm going with it? So it's, it's, a, it's a teaching that is not orientated around God and Christ and what he loves, and what he's like, and what's honoring to him, and pleasing to him. It's a teaching that's orientated around what's pleasing to you. Does that make sense? And as I say that, then you start to see, oh, okay, I see a lot of that. Christian material that's orientated not around what's pleasing to God, but what's pleasing to you. Uh, How to get your breakthrough. How, 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 How to find your worth and your value. You, you could go on and on, but the, the, the key distinction is a shift from a God focus to a you focus. Does that make sense? And, and an unwillingness to say uncomfortable things that will force you to change. Um, so, a compromised people with a compromised want, compromised people want a compromised gospel, gospel, and compromised preachers preach a compromised message because they're not in it to teach you what you need. They're in it to teach you something that's going to make you happy so that you can give me money. Does that make sense? It's kind of a a very unhealthy symbiotic relationship. And so um, the other thing that's worth noting here is there has never been a time in the history of the church where it is as easy to do what this passage is saying, to gather around yourself teachers who you want to hear. In the history of the church, there has never been an opportunity to literally sit at home, online, and choose from thousands of teachers what you want to hear, the style that you like, the sense of humor that, that, that you like, the topics that you like being taught on. Um, and that's dysfunctional. Uh, it's, not, it's not what God intended. And it's unique to the generation that we're in. So let's talk now about, okay, cool, next one. How, how, do we, how do we judge? How can we judge what is true? And I'm going to use the analogy here of if somebody offers my child a treat. I use that candy floss analogy like if somebody came and they often do offer my child treats for some reason. I'm not sure if she's just got a very cute face or whatever. But if somebody offers my child a treat, how can she know if it will be safe to eat? Now, I'm using this analogy because the same goes for you. If, you are, if you're seeing something that's online, it's spiritual, it looks edifying, it's a teaching, it's an equipping, it's a whatever, how do you know if it's safe to eat? So I'm using that analogy. The first rule is, okay, you can go to the next one. Is, is who is the person? So exactly what I would say to my daughter, who is this person? Do you know them? It's such an obvious question, right? Like for, for my daughter. If it's one of you guys from church, and we know you and you offer her a treat, great. Us is not going to give her rat poison. You know, but it, it, it sounds obvious, right? But it's, it's, it makes sense. But we are the family of God. And in the same way, teaching is often referred to as food. That's what Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Um, and so food in the, new, in, in, the, in the scriptures is the scripture, it's teaching. And 
So the question is, this person who's offering you something for your spiritual health, who are they to you? What is the relationship between that person and you? Do you know them? Why is that important? Because as a teacher, you're a vessel. True? I got a message, but I'm the messenger. And the vessel, if the vessel is corrupt, the message is tainted. So here's the thing. If I've got an unhealthy love of money, right? If I'm greedy, you won't know because you don't know what's in my heart. But do you think my teaching on tithing will be different? Yes. Of course it will be. It won't be, you know, tithing is, is good because you're giving to the Lord and He's your provider and it's actually He's in the first place and this is how you can worship God with your finance. It's not about that at all, to be honest. It's just like about my bottom line, right? The more you tie, the more I... And that, that will definitely come through. So everything that I preach, if there's something corrupted in my heart, it will taint the message that I'm teaching you. You know, I know this more than most because I, I am a teacher, right? So I know if things go awry in my heart, it definitely affects the way that I preach. So the question is, do you know the person? Do you know how they live? Do you know how they love their wife? Do you know how they raise their children? Do you know what the fruit of their ministry has been of the people who have been listening to their teaching? Are they doing well? Has their teaching benefited churches or has it wrecked and ruined churches? These are the kinds of things um, that's important to know. Okay, go to the next one. So I, I want to just say before we go to the next one, for my daughter, I don't actually want her to go and eat outside of our house. I, I want to be the one that feeds her. Because she's not going to be able to discern whether some guy's got bad intentions towards her or not. She's five. And I want to say the same is true for you. While you're in this house, if you are a young believer, and by young I mean you've been saved in the last five years, my encouragement to you is while you're growing in the Lord, just eat where it's safe. Where you know it's good stuff right uh, week after week. Don't trust yourself to now be able to discern every other person that's offering you food. You won't actually know. I mean, I could give you five steps on how to discern if somebody's teaching is true or false. It'll be a great teaching, but to be honest, like, <laughs> you, won't, you, won't. you won't be able to discern. If you're young in the faith, it's like my, me saying to Namile, you know, you can go online. Just if you pick up anything dodgy, rather close the tab. She's five, right? It, it's, it would be foolish parenting of my, on my part. She's, she's not ready for that. And I would say the same for you. You're not ready for that. You, I could give you a, a t- you, won't, you won't know. Are you going to see how profoundly true that is when I get to my next couple of slides? But I'll, I'll, I'll wait until you get there. Okay. Uh, how, how, how do they live? Jesus said one of the ways you recognize false teachers is how they live. Now, why do I emphasize that? Most people will weigh what they said. And that's good. You do need to weigh what people teach. But Jesus actually said you need to first weigh how they live. Why does he say that? Because he, he's saying what I just said. How they are inside will overflow with what they say. Yes, they can quote a lot of scriptures. You know that Satan quoted a lot of scriptures when he spoke to Jesus. <laughs> Satan did it. Uh, so any teacher will use scriptures. But the question is who they are will overflow in what they teach. You need to judge by their fruit. Now that is incredibly hard to do if it's an online ministry. It's one of the reasons why online ministries can be so destructive is because it removes the context. You actually can't tell what the fruit of their teaching has been in anyone's life. All you can all you can judge is on the what did they actually say. And it sounds scriptural. Okay, cool, so it must be fine. Probably not. Does that make sense? Next one. Okay, um, that's, that's to do with the point that, now this is going to sound incredibly judgmental, but it's incredibly God-honoring. Do you know that one of the things we'll have to do as a church is we'll from time to time have to name false teachings and false, false teachers. In fact, we, it, we'd be failing at our job if we didn't. Um, because it says in Scripture, uh, that's the next slide, we, we were still on, on the previous one. Where in Romans, where it says, um, there we go, watch out for false prophets. No, no. Where's the Romans one? There we go. 
I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. There will be times, and this has always been the case in the church, that as shepherds, one of our jobs is to warn you about false, about wolves. Wolves are bad leaders who lead people straight, but they're also bad teachers that, lead, that deceive people. As a, as a pastor, that is one of my jobs. not my only job, but our jobs as shepherds, one of them would be to, to warn you and say, don't listen to that person or that teaching. Here's why. This is what's wrong with it. And so when we do that, if you're immersed in the culture, your response would be, that's a very judgmental thing to say. That's a Christian that you're just busy judging over there. That is, that's a, but what I'm trying to do this morning is show you that's a worldly way of thinking. In the world, you don't judge. Right? But, but Jesus says we do judge. We judge according to his word. And if somebody is leading people astray, deceiving people, and they're a wolf in sheep's clothing, our job is to warn you. That's what shepherds do. It's not a judgmental in the thing of, I don't think I'm better than them. It's not about whether I'm a better person or they are a better person. It's about, are we walking according to God's word? Are we teaching what God's word? Are we living what we teach? Am I practicing what I preach? That's the measure of a good teacher. So I'm sowing these seeds in you now, not because there's any emergency. There isn't. I just felt the Lord wanting me to prepare you. There will be times when we, as leaders, might might not be me, it might be somebody in the congregation that says, actually, you shouldn't be listening to that. That's, that's unhelpful. That's actually a false teaching. Okay, you can, you can now go to the next one. One of the measures of truth is, are they preaching the whole counsel of God? If you've got an online ministry, you don't have to teach the whole counsel of God. Because you're not raising children in the ways of the Lord. You're not teaching them what they need to, to know because of where they're at right now. So what I'm doing right now is I'm teaching you what you need to know because I know this is an area where we're weak. But if I've got an online ministry, I don't need to do that. In fact, I don't even know how you're doing. I don't even know what you're facing. I don't know where your weak areas are. I don't know where your strong areas are. I'm just putting something online and hoping that it gets a lot of likes and shares. That's all I'm doing. It's removed from the context. But a shepherd who's teaching gives people what they need to hear, even when it's a hard teaching. Jesus, often people would say to Jesus, that's a hard teaching. It's because he's teaching them the whole counsel of God. He's giving you your vegetables, your meat, and your ice cream. Which is what good parents do. But if it's an online teaching, it's just ice cream. Because I don't need you... You're not, you're not going to come back for more teaching if I'm giving you vegetables. Well, some of you love veggies, but the Lord will. <laughs> vegetables are our gift from the Lord. Eh? Let's be honest. They are a gift. We thank the Lord for veggies. Okay, now we're just going to go a little bit more deeper. Go to the next one. Is it the next one? Yeah. So, This is an app, like any other kind of apps. I'm just picking on this one uh, for no particular reason. The version app, it's a Bible app on your phone, right? Now, a Bible app is great. There are lots of Bible apps. I use Bible programs. But technology can be used for good and for bad, depending on how you use it, true? Internet is not bad. just depends on what you use it for. Bible apps are not bad depending on what you use them for. I want to just highlight what you use this app for. If you're using the Bible app to read your Bible, great. That's first price. And more grace to you. You keep reading your Bible on that Bible app. Or maybe you use the audio and somebody reads it to you. As long as they're reading the Bible, great. Maybe there's even music in the background. Wonderful. It's not Romel's cup of tea, but some of us... Romo twitches when the music plays. It's like, hey, are we going to listen to the word or are we going to listen to music? We can't do both at the same time. <laughs> but I, I just thought it would be interesting to see who's contributing to the, 
material on this app. And I just did a casual search on the two false teachers that I know of that are the most famous false teachers in the world today. Right? Let's just start with the basics. So Joseph Prince is, is very famous for preaching a false gospel of grace. It's a deficient grace. It's grace for forgiveness, but it's not grace for change and repentance and growing in God. Um, he'll teach things like you don't need to repent if you're saved because there's grace, right? He's a very famous, I don't have time to talk about Joseph Prince right now, but I do have resources that you can watch that will equip you very well on the false doctrine of grace, which we'll get to just now. So he's just a very famous false teacher on grace, but he's got, I re- there's not enough space on this page to list how many resources he has on new version. And they're in the form of um, what, devotionals. So you read the scripture, then you read the devotional. You read the scripture, then you read the devotional. Five-day plans, one-year plans, uh, different options on your app, right? So you're just doing a Bible study and you version. Oh, cool, there's a devotional. It's like one of the most famous false teachers alive in the world today. Uh, then there's, uh, you could get another false teacher as well. If you want, you could get a Joel Osteen, who's very famous for preaching the prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is what I was talking about earlier, where it's all about you. It's about you having your best life. It's about God being there for you and for you getting victory. It's, it's a you-orientated gospel, but it's not nuanced. It's not the true teaching on, on how God's blessing should look in your life. I, again, I don't have time to unpack that. I'm just making, I'm making a point that like you're just innocently scrolling through and doing a little devotional on your... But actually, like, what are you exposing yourself to? Do you even know who these people are? I'm just picking on the two most famous ones. I don't even know who else is on there. So I'm just saying, God wants us to be discerning in this generation. He's called us to be alert. He's called us to be discerning. He's called us to see things how they really are, not just how they appear on the surface. Does that make sense? Is my heart coming through okay on this? It's, it's, my, my, my point is not that you know, our church is better than all the other churches. My point is that this is what Jesus said we should expect, and this is what is happening. Be aware. Be alert. Have a filter. You need a filter. It's not just, okay, they're a Christian, I'm a Christian, cool, we can teach each other. It's like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. Um, so if a speaker is unknown to you, if you don't have any relationship with them, you should have a very big filter. You need to be alert. You need to be aware. If it's somebody you know, you know their lives, you know they've got relationship with them, they've got a long history, you don't need a, such a big filter. But same as I would say to my daughter, if some random person comes up to you with some candy floss, don't eat it. <laughs> like, if you know them, that's great. If you don't know them, don't eat it. Don't think that you will be able to figure it out as you go. You probably, you probably won't. Does that make sense? Um, just a, a, go to the next one. A couple of things to, to be aware of before you share teachings. Before you share teachings. Now, we share teachings, we want to edify one another. But what if you're sharing something which leads somebody down a rabbit hole which destroys their faith? Your good intentions, I'm sure they're good. But is it an, it's not enough to just have good intentions. Here are some things to be aware of. If you're sharing something with somebody, a resource, can I vouch for the person who's doing the teaching's life? Do I know that they are living what they preach? Do I know the legacy? of their ministry, or not? Can I endorse everything that they are saying? So in other words, if that person really likes that quotation and then goes and finds the original article and loves it, and then goes and reads the original book, or then follows them on YouTube and listens to their sermon series, are you endorsing all of that? Or are you just endorsing what they've said? Be wise. Be wise in what you share. Um, because sometimes people will like, that was amazing. I'd love more of that. And then they go right to the source. It's like, but can you vouch for the source? Can you, do you know them well enough to be, to be able to vouch for that source? And so, in closing, God has called us to be sober. That's one of the words that the scripture often uses. Now, sober, yes, it, do, it does mean not inebriated with alcohol, because you, you're more alert when you're sober. But it's also talking about a state of mind, state of heart. That actually 
God, I, I'm serious about your word. I'm serious about making my race and finishing well. And I want to be alert to the schemes of the evil one. Yes, some of them are obvious. Some of them are not so obvious. But I want to, be, I want to grow in discernment. Amen? And so I want to say, primarily you should be eating where the, where, where the people feeding you are people that you know. Or maybe you don't know them, but somebody else can vouch for them. Primarily, that's where you should be feeding yourself. And there is incredible abundance of resources. If you are somebody that is like me, who is eager to learn, eager to, eager to equip yourself, eager to be filled, there are so many good resources that are available to you. You will not have enough hours in the day. There is no need to go fishing where you don't know where it came from. Because often it is just a hard motivation. I want to learn. I want to grow. So let me recommend some to you which which don't need go to the next one which don't you don't even need to have a huge filter and like seriously weigh up every single word um some of these i'm involved with so i know them well so on the bottom left did you know that Josh Jen records all the sermons from all the congregations every sunday so we've got 40 congregations there's 40 sermons per week if you've got more time than that and you're still hungry, <laughs> here's some other things I can recommend to you. Um, so uh, Josh Jen has got a YouTube channel that's got, it, it's got training. It's got equipping. It's got a, it's got a Bible study. You could do like basically a first year of a Bible school just on YouTube, just on, between Josh Jen and 412. 412 has got a YouTube channel. I've contributed to many of those resources. They are fantastic, not just the ones I've done. I see you guys smiling at me. So, there, are there are some fantastic resources on there, like meaty stuff on a variety of topics. I'm talking about leadership training, marriage training, how to read your Bible well, how to study your Bible well. Um, that, that one there at the top, the top right called Rooted, that's a great course on 412 that teaches you how to read your Bible, the difference between different Bible translations. The difference, how do you interpret the New Covenant and the New Testament in light of the Old Testament? Um, the one there, Savvy Sheep, we did as a congregation. The reason why I mentioned that is half of you have joined since we did it. So I want to say, if you haven't watched Savvy Sheep, that one is literally all about what I'm talking about this morning, but it's talking about specific false teachings, which you need to be aware of. Um, so you've got a lot of catching up to do there if you haven't watched that. Then there's the 412 app, which you can get on your phone, which I really encourage you to get on your phone which has got interviews, it's got written articles, it's got um, sermons. It, there is an abundance of equipping and resources that you can get into. I'm not saying don't equip yourself. I myself would be breaking my own rule if that was the case. I love learning. I learn for fun, right? Myself and Zandi are weird like that. We, we just like reading stuff and some vigorous nods from the front. So, so my encouragement to you is fill yourself with what is good. Enrich yourself, build yourself up, strengthen yourself up. But at the same time, you need to be discerning. Judge yourself well. Lord, am I, we didn't talk a lot about that, but Lord, am I still walking in your ways? Am I still loving you the way that I used to? Having an account, culture of accountability. Do I actually welcome other people speaking into my life and saying, hey man, I'm, I'm worried about you. Or do I say, hey, you do you, I'll do me. Don't judge me, right? It's like, well, if you still think like that, you're still thinking like the world. I need you to judge me because I know your heart towards me is actually for my good. And you care about me. You love me enough. You care about me to speak. If I react, I need to find God's culture again. I need to find, and then lastly, what I fill myself with, the outside voices that I allow to shape my thinking. Um, be careful. Is that cool? Let's pray. Lord, I want to just say thank you for a bunch of people who love you passionately, Lord. It's so encouraging to be a part of a church where there are so many people that are zealous for you, that are following you, that are loving you, that are counting, that are giving their lives to follow you and to serve you and are looking forward to that day. God, thank you that we get to be a part of this. Thank you for the life and the fruitfulness that we experience. But Lord Jesus, I pray in this one area 
would you, would you strengthen us, Lord? Would you, would you make us to grow in discernment? Would you make us a people that take your warning seriously of the age that we live in, God, that we would remain in the truth, that, that we would be wary and wise to the schemes of the evil one, to come in and lead us astray, to take our good intentions and take us down a rabbit hole. And Lord Jesus, I want to pray for us as a congregation. Would you keep us in the truth? Because we trust in your grace, God. Yes, we'll do our best, but ultimately we trust that it's you, God, that keeps us in your grace. I want to just encourage you, even right now, if God's convicting you of something, just repent. If you, if you have actually been presumptuous and too casual and actually not very vigilant over your own soul in some of the areas that I've been mentioning, just come before the Lord right now and say, God, I'm sorry. I choose to be alert, to be vigilant, to be discerning. If, if you have been allowing yourself to be shaped by people you don't even know, just repent before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. That, that's not actually your plan for my life. I choose from this day to do it your way. And lastly, if, if you have actually been quite cagey with other people who have been trying to speak the truth into your life, people who have raised concerns and you shut them off, and you're like, you do you, I'm going to do me, just respect my privacy, just repent before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I actually need, I actually need people around me to speak the truth to me. I won't always like what they say. I don't even know what their intentions are, but God, if there's something that you want to say to me, I want to be open to that, Lord, whoever it comes to. Maybe it comes to someone I don't even like. <laughs> but Lord, if it's you, I want to hear you. Just where you are, if you need to repent, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to be a person of humility and grace. I want to build in a way that lasts.